Warning, this episode contains sex magic, socialism, and other badass shit. Listener discretion is not advised. Get high! For my grand palace is behind schedule, Worm. Yes, Mr. Uh, General Basil, sir, but that's... Master will do fine. Um, oh, y- yes, Master, well, well... Well? Well, it's just that with uh, so many men and women at the front and the work, he's just been slow without... Excuses? I don't pay you for excuses. You don't pay me at all. What's that? Oh, no, nothing, sir. Look at these despicable wretches. How can I create a magnificent headquarters for the Amazon Empire without good stock? Are all these slaves Amazon certified? Yes, master. Really? Look at this man here. Hand me your whip, worm. Yes, master. You there! Ah! Work harder! Do you want to go back to the Amazon warehouse? No, 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 sir. I'll work harder. I'll work, yes. Must work, 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 work. See, worm? That's how you discipline these animals. Yes, sir, but even so, with the men from the war gone and the women, we can't hope to keep your schedule. The war! War, war, war! Are you a parrot? To hell with the war! My Amazon mercenaries are making mincemeat of Chairman Murphy's black army as we sp- What's that? Where is it coming from? Uh, sir, uh, Master, Sir, General, Visas, look up at the sky. It's a blackness. Oh, oh, it's, it's... It can't be. We have come for you, Jeff. You? You're not Chairman Murphy. You're, you're like a, like a black face in the sky? Yes, I am more than Chairman Murphy. I opened up the portal to hell, deep in the ocean's depths, and brought back the souls of all those who perished under capitalism. You're the last capitalist, Jeff. They want you! But, but, I'm, I'm just an individual. I, I can't be held responsible for the sin. Time to die. No, no, it's, it's not fair. No!
is I, Illuminatus Murphy, of whom Jacobin Magazine once said, Jesus fucking Christ, and Sockdim Twitter czar IPM called a coward. But who is Illuminatus Murphy? I am the Wishmaster of Neighbor Scientology, the chainsaw-wielding haunter of capitalist nightmares, Nintendo fan, born-again pagan, and all-around weirdo, welcoming you to Spooftendo, the disembodied voice of the gaming proletariat, and reminding you all that being weird is very, very good. Facts. Facts. Every week on Spooktendo, we perform a holy ritual in nihilist navel-gazing so as not to succumb to the Dark Lords of Madness in this ecocidal Fourth Reich. As ever, I'm coming to you from somewhere below the briny acidic deep where phosphorescent wonders never cease and men fear to tread. Tonight, I'm drinking a Wicked Grove apple cider, and it's smooth, but I won't be drinking shit come November 6th. Don't forget to vote yes on Proposal 1, Michiganders. It's about time we legalized weed. Anyway, this week, episode 9, Magical Headless Bezos. In this episode, the haunting beauty that is Pinstripe. Alexa Jonas recants. Sexual, magic, and spooky recommendations to kill the whole family. So, let's chop right into the news, the news from, from hell. hell! First, let's get the truly sad shit out of the way. A right-wing terrorist stormed into a synagogue in Pittsburgh known for taking in refugees, screaming all Jews must die, and then pulled the trigger on his semi-automatic rifle killing 11 this Saturday. Before that, 12 pipe bombs were sent to prominent liberals including Hillary Clinton and George Soros among others by a 55-year-old chud the media has dubbed the Mega Bomber. The shooting in the synagogue is a truly tragic event and an outrageous hate crime. But little surprise given the history of America and the recent stoking of our nation's inherent racist pathology. My condolences to the families of the victims of that heinous attack. The MAGA bomber, on the other hand, was not successful with any of his bombs and targeted liberals. Therefore, I find his case kind of funny, actually, but still recognize it as part of a scary pattern. You're about 70% more likely to be the victim of right-wing terrorism than Islamic extremism in North America. Yet the liberal media still refuses to call such occurrences terrorism, preferring instead to frame the white shooters or bombers as mentally ill not right in the head, or a sad, unfortunate man who once had a bright future, etc. You can't make this sick shit up. That's what you call uh, systemic racism, and it's disgusting. There is no liberal solution to fascism, just as there is no liberal solution to anything. If you allow these people to spread their vile hatred, terrorism is entirely inevitable. Deplatform the fash, punch the fash, make it impossible for the fash to raise money. This is not a debate. This is not a free speech issue. This is war. Speaking of fascists, Jar Bolsonaro, the open neo-fascist, has won the presidential vote in Brazil. In a cynical grab for resources and geopolitical power, American liberals helped foment the coup in Brazil that deposed the first woman president of that nation and kept Lula out of the election illegally, despite the fact that all polls showed him defeating Bolsonaro by a wide margin. So it is you. You are the cause of this, liberals. You enable fascism to spread. You are the infection that allows the disease to rot our planet. You! Oh, also, climate change still threatens all humankind with literal extinction, and no one's doing anything about it. www.communalismpamphlet.net Won't you be my climate hell neighbor? But, but... 
There's lots of interesting Nintendo news to distract us from the horror of reality, and it's Halloween. Liftendo is about acknowledging the horror and doing what you can to make it better, but also having some fun so as not to go completely mad. So, time for some Wikimancy! Techno-witchcraft is beautiful, ain't it? Wikimancy is my own modification of Bibliomancy, the arcane art of divining the answer to an inquiry from a randomly selected passage from a book, often a Bible. But why use a Bible when you have the entirety of human knowledge at your fingertips? Just think on the question, hit random, and divine the meaning. Our very special question tonight is, will Jeff Bezos' dickhead fall off? Let's hit that button! And we got, ooh, oh, let's see if I can pronounce this, Emborbii Cunyumnum, uh, Cunyumnum, better known and much easier to pronounce as the Western Avocado Leaf Roller, a species of moth found in Baja, California, Mexico. Ooh, well, this is a good sign because, among other things, the moth symbolizes faith and psychic ability. Perhaps the quantum wizard Vishnu is telling us that we must have faith and use our combined abilities to cut off Bezos' dick. I'd like to think so. But more Wikimancy later. Back to the news. Of great interest to Nintendo fans everywhere, over the weekend, a Japanese auction site revealed an incredibly rare version of the Nintendo Wii's remote. One that was designed not for the Wii, but for the GameCube, and at least one game developer has already said it's legit. The previously unrevealed remote controller, which along with a nunchuck and sensor bar sold at Yahoo Auctions for 74,000 yen, approximately 663 US dollars on Thursday, looks incredibly similar to what was eventually launched with the Wii. It just goes to show you, you never know what you'll find, especially in Japan. Is your Switch drab and dour? Does it have erectile dysfunction? Is it not giving you good head? Then trade it in for 200 bucks towards a shiny new one. That's essentially, essentially, the argument GameStop is making with their new trade-in deal for the Switch. They claim it so people can pick up a special edition for less, but come on. It just seems like a dumb cash grab to me and a lot of people. Seriously, GameStop, just fuck right off. Following up on a story I covered in a past episode, the cannibalistic offshoot of Scientology known as Sony has finally revealed the full list of games that will appear on its Super NES mini-clone. They include Battle Arena Toshinden, Cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy VII, Grand Theft Auto, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Driller, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, Rayman, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Revelations Persona, Ridge Racer Type 4, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Siphon Filter, Tekken 3, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, Twisted Metal, and Wild Arms. As these Elronian shit sniffers are in a constant daze, they did not include Tomb Raider or Crash Bandicoot, which is a serious mistake. Still, they at least took my wise counsel and added a Resident Evil game to the lineup. I'm also happy to see the OG Metal Gear Solid on there, along with Abe's Odyssey and Rayman. I'm almost... Almost. Tempted. Almost. 
In other news, we're going to talk about two amazing spooky games you can pick up right now on the Switch shortly, but eventually, perhaps for next Halloween, via their Twitter account, Capcom has announced that you're going to be able to play classic Resident Evil titles like Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 0, and I'd wager a guess most Nintendo fans' favorite Resident Evil, Resident fucking Evil 4, on your Nintendo Switch. Every Nintendo fanboy or fangirl of a certain age who was lucky enough to own the GameCube has very fond memories of Resident Evil 4 in particular. It was originally a GameCube exclusive, after all. Funny how short that lasted. And then it was ported to everything. Regardless, I look forward to destroying cultists with Leon's trusty pistol on the go next year. It's the one-year anniversary of Super Mario Odyssey, which for my money is the greatest game of all time. To celebrate, Nintendo released a new dance remix of Jump Up Superstar we are listening to right now. There are several amazing games on sale in the eShop right now, including all of WayForward's excellent Metroidvanias such as The Mummy Demastered, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, and Shantae Half-Genie Hero. I picked up The Pirate's Curse myself. There are also some spooky games on sale, and the amazing story-driven indie classic Oxenfree is on sale right now for just 5 bucks. You better goddamn believe it's my deal, deal of, of the, the week! week. Oxenfree is the emotional story of a girl and her friends who take a ferry to a haunted island and get marooned there for the night. With amazing visuals and a spooky, well-crafted emotional story told through insane amounts of excellent voice acting, this ghostly adventure will delight and fill you with fright. Buy it now! Illuminatus Murphy wills it into being! All that out of the way, now it's time for what I've been playing this week. I actually bought two games this week that I finished. One I played through twice. The first was SteamWorld Dig 2. This has been on my list for quite a while. I finished SteamWorld Dig 1 earlier this year around March and meant to buy the sequel whenever I could, perhaps during a sale, but I didn't for whatever reason. Regardless, SteamWorld Dig 2 is everything you could ever want in a sequel, and the mining for resources which you sell to buy upgrades to your equipment gameplay loop is back and as addictive as ever. The real difference here is that playing as Dorothy, you have a lot more abilities to unlock than when you played as Rusty in the first game, including a fire pickaxe, water bombs, and a jetpack. And, uh, what game isn't better with a jetpack? Speaking of Rusty, the story of the game centers around Dorothy getting out of her little town to find Rusty when he disappears. I won't spoil the story. It was a lot of fun. My only minor nitpick with this game is it's pretty short, clocking in at maybe seven hours or less, depending on how many secrets you go after. But that's the thing. After I beat the game, it showed that I had only found 44% of the secrets, so I have plenty yet to do. Anyway... It's a great Metroidvania game, but with that ending, which I won't spoil, I demand a SteamWorld Dig 3. And it appears it is in development. Yippee! Moving on, let's talk a little about Toy Stunt Bike Tip Top's Trials. This game is a straight-up clone of Ubisoft's Trial series, which, being a Nintendo fan, I've never played. I discovered this game when I had a craving for a fun, cheap racing game, and... Actually, a racing game it's not, but it is only $4.99 and actually quite fun. In it, you control a Diddy Kong look-alike with a top hat on a motorcycle as he goes over jumps and past hazards. Along the way, you can collect gold hats floating around and hidden flags. 
What makes it extra fun though is you can do tricks such as flips and wheelies and endos to rack up points to work your way up on the online leaderboard that interestingly functions despite the fact that I don't have the online service yet. Anyway, this is a lot of silly platformy fun. Some of the uh, wipeouts had me laughing out loud. It's a great arcade game well worth the price of admission. A heavy recommendation from me. Moving on, do you like titties and platforming? Then you'll love Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Seriously, I knew Shantae was a bit scantily clad, but she's a half-genie, so I figured that goes with the territory. I did not expect the sheer level of tittage in this game, though. I'm not complaining. I'm a proud supporter of smut and media. It's just a bit of a shock. Still, that's probably on my end. I've never played a Shantae game before. I had heard of them, of course. The OG Game Boy Color game is a holy grail amongst collectors, renowned for its awesome gameplay that pushes the hardware to its limits, and its price of anywhere between $500 and $3,000. Anyway, this game is very much a Metroidvania-y platformer in the style of The Messenger, in terms of structure, because it's not one giant map, as in your Hollow Knights, your Alwa's Awakenings, or your Super Metroids. Instead, it is broken up into distinct islands, but there are abilities and items on those islands that are necessary to reach new areas and solve simple puzzles on other islands. I do enjoy a non-linear platformer, and this has a lot to offer. Shantae controls great, starting out with her hair-whipping ability and adding on things like a pistol, a floating pirate hat, and so on as you go along. The pixelated graphics are beautiful, the minor voice acting is fun, and the mode by which they tell the story, wherein you get a speech bubble and a hand-drawn, beautiful, often voluptuous, lightly animated picture of a person speaking is a nice touch. All in all, it's a great game and on sale now, so pick it up if you like, but don't play it around grannies. Or do, if that's your thing. And finally, to our last game of the week, Pinstripe. Which is so good, I cried at the end both times I finished it. Now, to talk about this game with any depth is difficult without spoilers. So I've made the decision to spoil the one thing all the reviews and summaries online have also spoiled. Pinstripe is a masterful indie game created by one devoted dev over the course of five years through Kickstarter, which is about a former minister named Ted who goes on a journey through hell to save his daughter Bo, who was kidnapped by the demon Pinstripe. That's as far as I'll spoil the story. It's a proper creepy game, but not in the scary sense. At no point did I get a jump scare or anything like that. Rather, and I hate to say it, but the Tim Burton-esque visuals and the haunting soundtrack, along with the odd cast of characters you will encounter on your journey, makes it more a dark fairy tale than actual horror, but spooky nonetheless. The basic mechanics of the game categorize it as a platforming adventure, wherein you must complete simple puzzles such as unlocking door mechanisms or fiddling with clocks to progress down the layers of hell. There is excellent voice acting in this game that makes it feel quite special. I want to point out right now that if you look up this game, you may read that many YouTube celebrities voice characters, including, sadly, PewDiePie. I don't want you to be turned off by this at all. The voice acting is very good, and the likes of PewDiePie are relegated to less than one minute of dialogue, and of that, it is all drunken mumbling. In that way, they used him perfectly. I found the story of Pinstripe very affecting. As I mentioned earlier, it made me cry both the first time I beat it and the second in Adventure Plus mode, which I might add gives you a key that unlocks a couple minor places you could not access in the first playthrough, as well as more money to buy fun but meaningless power-ups in the shop like a Tommy gun. But considering I finished it twice, you might have guessed it's one arguable weakness. Pinstripe is not a very long game. 
particularly after you've beaten it once and know how to solve all the puzzles, the plus mode is a breeze to fly through. Like the voice actors, though, I don't want this aspect of the game to turn you off. Pinstripe struck me as an indie dev elevating game design to an exquisite storytelling art form. The very reason I don't care about AAA games anymore is beautiful art like this. I cannot recommend Pinstripe enough, a perfect game for you and perhaps your children to play through Halloween night together. It's on sale now for the launch price of $11.99, and I do hope you will experience it for yourself. Bring tissues. But uh, gaming out of the way, and now it's time for a couple spooky recommendations. I have two creepy recommendations for your Halloween night. These are both TV related and I didn't know where to put them, so uh, here we go. The first is a cartoon that came out in 2014 available on Hulu or elsewhere called Over the Garden Wall. This haunting dark fantasy set around Halloween tells the story of two half-brothers, Wirt and Greg, voiced by Elijah Woods and Colin Dean, who become lost in a strange forest called The Unknown. As they attempt to make their way home, they meet incredibly odd dark creatures and must work together along with the occasional help from an annoying bluebird and the mysterious woodsman to survive. This was Cartoon Network's first miniseries ever, and it had a lasting impact on me. The final two episodes in particular are emotional, but before you get to that, you get to go on a magical journey into the unknown, full of macabre whimsy. Watch out for the jack-o'-lantern people, a personal favorite of mine. There is something about this show I can't put my finger on, uh, something about its animation and tone that feels timeless, worth watching every October for years to come. Anyway, my second recommendation is the newly released series on Netflix, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I love witches. That should be no surprise to anyone who knows me, and so the show was tailor-made for me. I watched the first episode with my brother and niece the other day, and I was impressed. In it, the campy, harmless teenage witch is replaced by a more true-to-life, and I must point out, woke person, and a significantly darker tone. The production value is fucking amazing. I love all the sets and the cinematography often has a dreamy, dark, psychedelic feel to it. The story in the opening 62-minute episode titled October Country is about Sabrina realizing that with her upcoming dark baptism on her 16th birthday, where she will sign her name in the Book of the Dark Lord, she will have to give up her mortal friends. As a half-witch and half-mortal, she feels deeply conflicted about this. Along the way, you meet great characters like her high school friends, Hilda and Zelda Spellman, her aunts, and her eternally housebound cousin-slash-big-brother figure Ambrose Spellman, among others. Special attention should be given to Michelle Gomez, the master herself, who plays a very fun, wicked witch and schoolteacher in this show, and is so far the most prominent antagonist. Michelle Gomez was really made to play characters like this, just deliciously wicked. This is not a perfect show by any means, but the tone is so solid that it, along with the amazing production, compels me to want to see where the story goes. Of course, it should be mentioned that some pagans might find its depictions of witches highly offensive. I understand that, and I want to acknowledge it. But in my mind, it's easy enough to differentiate fantasy and reality, so I enjoy it for the fantasy. Hopefully, the regular viewing public does the same. Anyway, that's a high recommendation from me. Check it out for a spooky good time. And with that, we'll be right back after this. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, 
coming at you forever. Never backing down. Never leaving. I'm coming for your ass. And we are going to beat you. And George Soros, I want to tell you something, you old man. When you die, you're going straight into hell. I know you're practicing in that house with all that satanic crap in it and black furniture and black walls. But believe me, you're going to get everything you want. Don't worry. Twelve bombs later. I'm a liar. I helped the Nazis. I'm not ashamed of it. It's how I survived. Now, I'm a declared terrorist by Homeland Security, by the state of New Jersey and other areas. Why doesn't anybody, you know, do anything about this? George Soros is actually, hell, he, he stormed the beaches at Normandy uh, with, a, with a knife in his teeth, and he killed 5,000 Nazis himself and saved a million Jews. Well, sea monkeys, that's the show. Before we go, I would like to try Wikimancy one more time with the same inquiry. Will Jeff Bezos' dickhead fall off? And the winner is... Well, fuck, another moth! Epithesi caligini, a moth in the family Geometridae, found in Japan. It's obvious from this, a second moth, that we must have faith in our psychic abilities to make this happen. I propose a ritual, dear listeners. A ritual all of us can participate in. Using the Grant Morrison Pop Magic Guide, I have created a sigil for our wish by taking out all the consonants from the sentence Jeff Bezos' dick falling out and mashing the rest together. It is the cover art for this episode. Here's what we must do. Keeping that sigil in our minds, we must charge it with the wish that Jeff's dick falls off. And the best way to do that for the average practitioner is... Masturbation! That's right. So, keeping it in mind, go home, jack off, then delete this podcast. Or print out the sigil, masturbate, then burn it. Let us work the craft together to make this beautiful dream a reality. Anyway, before you go... If you like my wild, wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube man show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com forward slash leftendo. There for just three fifty, you can get access to an upcoming sister podcast called Left Tunes, where me and my comrades will be discussing our favorite cartoons. And I'm happy to announce that our first episode will be about Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack is a show I've always meant to try, and Cheetah Squad's favorite. He's going to be taking the reins on that episode, and I can't wait. Also, if you become a patron, you will get a shout out on the show and my deepest eternal thanks. That's patreon.com forward slash leftendo. If you're new to Leftendo and would like to subscribe, just search Leftendo in Apple Podcasts. And hey, while you're there, leave a review, but be gentle or else lube me up first. You can find me at Anarcha Murphy and the show at Leftendo on the bird site where you can follow updates on games I'm currently playing including screenshots and short videos plus my own beautiful brand of cynical leftist humor. Anyway, Sea Monkeys, thanks for listening. Happy Halloween and a very happy Samhain to all my Wiccan comrades. Waluigi forever and Eris be praised. <laughs>